We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cause we be. found out that I was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand with a cover as a man. We no longer under the laws of Moses. The world that can cut with violence and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee. And cults. <sighs> Hi, John. Hi, Sam. Hi, listeners. And welcome to Coffee and Cults, where once a month we meet, drink coffee and other drinks, and talk about cults, sects, and fringe religious movements from around the world. Please be aware this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners, as it will contain, I expect, strong language. And John, you're our presenter for today. Tell us what else to <laughs> to watch out for. So we also have content warnings for, and this is sort of a spoiler, but I guess it has to be in here as a... Yeah. Um, as a, a content warning. Um, so content warnings for murder, rape, Ooh. child abuse, and sexual abuse. Lovely. Well, that's the like top five, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since I found like a whimsical Victorian one to do, but I'm, that's just the way it is. I'll, I'll find one for next time. <laughs> Whimsy with all of those warnings. That's the fifth thing. You only listed four, but I said five. So the fifth one is content warning for whimsy. <laughs> For whimsy, I mean, that should be on all of our episodes, right? Although, you know. Whimsy and cults. <laughs> Coffee and whimsy. <laughs> that sounds like a 1920s um, burlesque of friends act. who oh. solve crimes. Oh, a, burle- <laughs> a 1920s burlesque act that solve crime. Ooh, copyright. Netflix show. Coffee, yeah, Netflix, if you're listening, um, <laughs> Sam and I are available to develop that for you. Yeah. Uh, we hope you've had a happy new year, listeners. Uh, we're in the same place that we were last time we recorded. Yay! Yeah, so you are, we're talking to you from the past. Well, we're always talking to you from the past, John, shut up. Um, but we hope you're enjoying 2022. No, we this time, okay. there's a twist. We're in the future. Go back. 2022 Ooh. is just more of the same. Ooh, no, don't say that, Sam. Don't jinx it. Although it's weird to think that, you know, given the way our years currently go, you're listening to this in February. and I think it have happened in January. Ooh. But right now we are um, we're okay. Poor Sam has the has the Rona. Yeah, um, but is but is sort of okay. Bless you. It's sort of okay. I just I've I've John says it's fine, but I feel like I'm I feel like I've got a blocked nose and I'm talking to you. Like in my head, it sounds like this. You sound um, fine. You sound okay. Okay, thank you. Maybe I feel a bit like. Maybe I feel a bit ill and I'm kind of pitching my voice down a little bit to compensate. Oh, that's very husky. Let us put this episode down, down here. Uh, I wanted to carry on the voice, but I don't have anything to say. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for all the messages that you've been sending us recently, listeners. Uh, if you would like to also send us a message, please do uh, email us at coffeeandcults at gmail.com or contact our various social media platforms at coffeeandcults. We really if, love hearing from you, and yeah, we'd appreciate it. And if you would like to watch uh, video content, so you can see me in my pajamas with my hood up, lovely. Or uh, you can see me and my new doggo. Or John and his dog, which is the most beautiful dog. So if you'd like to see that, you can join our um, <laughs> Patreon. So, enough animal-based whimsy. Yeah, who are we learning about, John? So um, this month, I'm going to tell you, Sam, about a reasonably recent cult from the 2000s uh, called Angels Landing. Ooh. Which is um, 
as we really enjoy in these episodes, Sam, uh, a commune with a dark secret. Yeah. So we begin in Wichita, Kansas. And we're going to start, this is not the start of the cult itself, but we're going to start in 2003. Oh. With a detective called Ron Goodwin. Hello, Ron. Who will follow through this story um, over a number of years. Um, Because Ron Goodwin had noticed that in the local neighbourhood, there was this strange setup on this piece of land called Angel's Landing. There were a few strange things about it. One of those strange things uh, was that it appeared to be a number of people living together in four houses in the mm. middle of a 20-acre plot of land okay. called Angel's Landing. Yeah. And what was suspicious was that they had lots of money. They had lots of vehicles that were, um, including like Corvettes and things, that were all like tens of thousands of pounds, uh, dollars worth of vehicles. Mm-hmm. And the group themselves seemed to have millions of pounds. They'd already spent quite a lot of money buying um, two 10-acre plots next to each other in order to create this area. Um, And they had four houses and swimming pools and Mm. really fancy, fancy cars. And at the heart of this um, was a man called Lou Castro. Okay. Who seemed to be the sort of the main figure there. Um, and everyone had a really nice car, him included. All of the cars had personalised number plates. Whoa. that were like Angel 1, Angel 2, <gasps> Angel 3, and so on. Well, and they're um, expensive as well. They can cost more than yeah. like houses, number plates. Yeah, so the vehicles were all about like $40,000, um, then had personalised number plates. Um, and these people from uh, sort of a range of other states had moved here to live with Lou Castro. And so mm. he was like, what is going on? This, where is all this money coming from? Ron's spidey senses were tingling. Yeah, they were ting- tingling away. Um, and he couldn't quite work out what he thought was going on. Um, he thought maybe his actual, lots of his work was involved in sort of looking into narcotics and drugs. And normally if there was people that seemed inexplicably wealthy, despite not working, mm-hmm. normally drug indications. He thought, I could keep an eye on this place because I think there might be some drug dealing going on here. Is that what it is? Could it be a drug dealing ring? Could it be some kind of cult? Spoiler, it could, Sam. I think it might be a cult. I think somewhere along the line it was a cult. Because Lou Castro has been going around telling people, Sam, Jesus, that he God. is an angel. Most... Oh, that, that was unexpected. hundreds or thousands of years old. <laughs> that he has landed here. Hundreds in... or thousands. I mean, I think the idea was that he was like just over a thousand years old. Okay. Um, I just have in my head hundreds and thousands, the little brightly coloured sugar trees. Yeah. Um, And the people that were living with him believed he had a number of powers that he could tell you when you were going to die uh, and that he could heal you or if you died, he could bring you back from the dead. Whoa. um, That he could predict the future. Um and that he had a number of other powers. And I'll talk about some of the other powers and, and things that he told people he could do later. Okay. Um, but he told people that he um, that in the past he died, he'd been ill, he died, been revived, come back to life, to find he had these powers. And he lived in this place with a woman called Patricia Hughes. 
she bought the first 10 acres of land and then another follower bought the other 10 acres. Mm. Um, and Trish said, yeah, that's absolutely true. He had this illness. He came back. That's why I'm, I've known him since we were teenagers. We're Bezzy mates. Okay. He is a special, special person. Um, so he shows up in Kansas looking for property, looking to buy some land um, and a house. Um, and one of his first followers as he arrives in Kansas is uh, a woman called Jennifer, who's a local real estate agent. Um, and she meets him and starts showing him around to different plots of land. And as she's doing that, she becomes convinced that him and Patricia are some of the loveliest people that she's ever met. They're kind, they're gentle, they're really sort of shy and vulnerable, really lovely. Um, and she talks um, in some of her journal about feeling immediately like she wants to protect them. Ooh. That these very nice, lovely people with lots of money have come around, but actually they're just, there's just something really lovely about them. She feels this sort of instinctive need to protect them, um, which becomes even more um, important to her when she begins to hear that he's got magical powers and in fact is an angel. Right. Her marriage has been sort of falling apart. She's been heading to divorce for a little while. Mm-hmm. She gets divorced with her husband. And I'm forgetting exactly the sequence. I think they bought one place in Kansas and then had found another, the first 10-acre block to move that Patricia bought. Mm. Um, And so Jennifer at that point takes her two children, Emily and Sarah, who are 11 and 17, to come and live with Lou and with Patricia at Angel's Landing. She then buys the neighbouring 10 acres. So it all becomes one 20-acre plot. And they live in extraordinary wealth. Not only the vehicles that we've mentioned, but there are parties, there's good food, uh, they have a pool, there are all kinds of luxuries um, and cars. um, And they talk about how they're going to build a new family here at this site around Lou. Um, And while you're there, you have to follow his rules because he's Mm. a celestial being. That just makes sense. But he is, yeah, he's going to be the centre of this new family. Um, and yeah, people get all kinds of gifts and presents. Um, Emily, who's the youngest girl, who's I think 10, 10 or 11 when they move there. Um, at one point, she says that she wants a horse. Um, and later on, Lou buys her three horses. Oh, no. But I assume she only has one bum. How is she going to ride three horses? Don't know. Take turns. It's a lot of, feels like quite a burden. Um, yeah. To give a child. So there's a small number of followers. There's, um, Lou, there's Patricia and her husband, there's another couple and their child, and then Jennifer and her two daughters move there. So there's a little sort of growing group Mm -hmm. um, around there. And then there are some early things that we'll come back to. There's going to be a few flash forwards and flashbacks sound as we sort of reveal different bits of of details. Um, So the girls live there. Occasionally see their father, but otherwise spend their time with uh, Jennifer and with Lou. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of an interesting vibe because the two sort of children sort of have to compete for sort of Lou's attention. Um, their mother is there, but is also sort of working and also sort of helping to build this family. So Patricia also becomes like a sort of a mother figure. To right. Them, um, and sort of shapes a lot of their experience and, and sort of guides them 
um, through their life in this community. And then one day, Sam, something unfortunate happens. Lou, Patricia, Emily and Sarah have lunch together. And then mm. Lou wants to buy a new car. Um, so he says to Sarah, let's go and buy a new car. Um, you go to the dealership. I'll join you in a minute. Um, and we'll go and buy a car. Uh, Patricia, you stay here. The pool needs to be cleaned. Um, so why don't you get on with that with Emily, who's 11. 11, um, yeah. And your two-year-old daughter. Um, and you can sort that out while we're off buying a car. While they're at the dealership, Sarah and Lou are looking at a car when Sarah gets a phone call. And it's Emily saying, you need to come back now. You need to get here. Patricia's daughter fell in the pool. Uh, Trish went to go after her. She slipped. She's cracked her head open. She's fallen in. I managed to get in and save the daughter. Uh, but I, 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 think, I think Patricia's dead. You need to come. You need to come back. I've been left on my own while this has happened. Oh, my God. Poor Emily. So they come back, discover the scene. Sure enough, Patricia's floating in the middle of the pool. Mm. Um, and Lou is like, well, this is very sad, but I sort of knew this was going to happen. She'll come back from the dead. Don't worry about it. So they have to call the police. Mm. The police come. And it seems like there are some reasons to sort of not be suspicious. There's a broken hair clip floating in the pool, which seems to match with her slipping and banging her head. She's got a bruise and a cut there, which seems to be, looks like it hasn't sort of come from any other blunt force trauma, but has come from slipping. Yeah. Um, and so there's no sort of particular evidence that anything has happened other than, than a slip and an accident into the pool. Mm -hmm. But the detectives are still a bit suspicious. So they decide that they're going to do a, just a background check on the people involved, find a bit out about Jennifer, find a bit out about the other people. But when they search for Lou, there is no evidence of someone by that name ever existing before he arrives in Kansas in the early 2000s. So who did Trish go to school with? Very mysterious. <sighs> but there's no real evidence of anything else. There's just this sort of slightly strange accident, slightly yeah. strange setup with the kids being left in charge, but they're not sure what's going on. Um, but he says this really stands out because in 2003, there is like no way you can not have a paper trail for early no. in life. Like that's yeah. just not, not possible. That's really unusual. After this happens, Patricia's husband, Brian, becomes, as you might imagine, really depressed. He's mm. really upset. He's raising his daughter on his own yeah. in this um, community. Um, and according to the girls, Lou starts spending much more time with him and trying to sort of talk him through his grief help him through with his angelic guidance through this tragedy and into the next bit of his life. I mean, I want to say that this sounds good, but I'm getting from your tone that it's not good. So, yeah, let's do this little, let's do this little diversion at this point. So the two girls are really upset by this as well. Trisha's been like a second mother to them. Yeah. And when this happens, they both sort of suddenly have a memory of something odd happening in the family before. And they meet a 15-year-old called Cody, who used to be part of the group with his mum uh, and sister and stepdad, mm. but had, had never moved 
to live there. When his mum moved, he went, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go and live there. I'll stay here. And so when they meet him, he reminds them of what happened earlier. Because his mother and sister were in the commune. Um, they met Lou and Trish in the late 1990s and followed them, became some of their earliest followers. And at some point during their time together, the stepdad, his mum and the daughter, so this is Mona and her daughter, decide to take a plane uh, flight. And they get on the plane and it never reaches its destination. So mm. there's a big missing person investigation. Um, Lou is there with the search and rescue, um, trying to make sure that they're found, ringing the police, ringing the authorities, trying to make sure that they get discovered. And then later on, it transpires that um, they've crashed and they find the crash site. Ugh. And Mona, a boyfriend and 12-year-old daughter, have been killed. Oh. Which is really sad. Mm -hmm. But it's also a bit strange. The girls are like, oh, this is the second odd death that's happened now since we've been here. And in fact, when they talk to Cody, he's like, yeah, it was, it was very strange. And there was, yeah, there was just something a bit odd about what happened. And we'll come back to that. Yeah, who was flying? Who was flying the plane? Was it like the a boyfriend? I see. Okay. Had it, so it was a little yeah. private plane. Yeah. So this has happened, and Brian is distraught. Mm -hmm. The girls have heard about this. Have sort of remembered that there was this other strange thing that went on, and have found Cody and heard a bit more. Um, but the years go by, and often they talk about the fact that Lou would talk about death. And that, you know, going to the other side is basically your goal as a spiritual being. And that one day you'll, everyone will get their chance to go to the other side. And that's a great thing. That's part of his sort of teaching. Convenient. Um, and he knows this, Sam, because not only is he an angel, he is in fact possessed, controlled by the conduit for three different angels oh okay and they have three different angel names are you ready for the angel names yeah uh, methuselah no uh, there's daniel melchior um so daniel is the kind angel then there's arthur who is the mean angel Ooh. and there's amber who is the angel of death um, and emily says when the angel of death um, takes control of Lou. He doesn't blink. He gets this really like demonic grin. Um, and and Amber is the one that talks about death and going to the other side and how great that is and, and so on. And that this happens because he's actually thousands of years old. He is this angelic being. This is just the body he happens to be in at the moment. Um, and he has to sort of, one of his preoccupations is how he continues his life span. He also claims that he is a direct descendant of the First Nations chief um, or warrior Geronimo. Right, okay. He claims that he's brought animals back from the dead. I mean, with, with Geronimo, there's, surely there's, there would be evidence of that. That would be very easy to prove. Yeah. Doesn't seem like there's a definite connection. Right. But he is First Nations. Okay. Okay. Um, he also says he can see ghosts. 
and the um yeah he has all these other powers including making it rain and like altering time and, mm. and all this kind of other stuff but there's also this strange sort of preoccupation with death on the other side because of amber the angel of death so this is the person who's giving brian counseling after his wife has died in a mysterious accident yeah and is talking about this which is why sam it's perhaps a little strange that in march 2006 three years later Brian is working as a mechanic in the garage where he works and he's working under a car Uh, and the jack that's holding the car up fails uh, and he is crushed and killed by the car. Oh no, Amber. Which is our third accidental death happening around Lou. Yeah. Um, And over not a very great period of time no um, and even other members of the group start to think this is a little odd mm. now um there are also some other members who've been around and sort of left or disappeared and so they're they're not sure what's going on or they think that maybe brian was so distraught that he committed suicide that he you know he knew enough about how to hold a car up he was a you know professional mechanic for many years and he decided yeah. to kick it out and that was his choice um but the detective notes that either lou was really unlucky with close friends dying or he's some way involved mm. in making it happen wow so when does when does uh, ron say that then uh so he says that after brian does. after brian to 2006 is that yeah yeah so he's like this is hmm. really odd now so he can't find who lou is still but he does know the names of the other people, which Ooh. means he can look at their finances and their Ooh. records. Yeah. And what they notice when they look into the records of these people is that in 2003, Patricia, when she died, had a £1.24 million life insurance policy. Oh, helpful. And that when she died, she yeah. gave that to Brian. Yeah. And that Brian also had that money and his own life insurance policy. Mm. And when he died, he gave that to another member of the group that was sort of under Lou's influence. Right. So it starts to look like there's this pattern where every couple of years, when the bank accounts of these group members gets really low, there's an accidental death and an insurance payment. Wow, I bet Ron had some properly like sleepless nights. Like, oh yeah. my god! He's, but he he says that in the he says exactly that in the documentary. He was like, yeah. I just thought about it all the time because there was no. This is all like circumstantial. Yeah, but it just stank. But we oh. couldn't find who he was. There was no. That's it. This person yeah. was a ghost, just like if he was a real angel, and not a human being. Spoiler alert, listeners: he's 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 not an angel. No. As far as we know. Allegedly. So there's no real crime. Nobody's reported anything, so they can't properly investigate, but he's desperate to find out who this motherfucker is. Yeah. So he goes through his bins, trying to find stuff, trying to find if there's anything with fingerprint on it. Um, One day he's driving along and he sees this car pull out with Angel One on the license plate. So he follows the car to a diner watches him go into the diner. He also goes in, sits at another table, watches him, watches where he's eating. Yeah. He goes, and then he goes up to the manager and goes, I need to take those glasses. 
cutlery and plates. Mm. No usable prints on any of the glasses, cutlery or plates that he was Whoa, using. Because he's an angel and he doesn't have fingerprints. So who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit more about what it's like to live with him. Okay. Within weeks of moving in with her mother and daughter, when she's 17, he starts having sex with Sarah. Mm. He tells her that she is broken and that she needs to be fixed so that she will be ready for love and marriage and childbearing in the future. And the only way that can happen is if he has sex with her. So they have sex. He rapes her. Yeah. And after that, she goes, is that, is that worked? Am I fixed now? Oh, bless her. And he says, no, it's only temporary. If you want to stay fixed, we will have to keep having sex. Um, And he regularly then has sex with her, including explicit forced rape, for want of a better phrase, with her between the ages of 17 and 24. Oh, God. He allegedly, I think this is pretty certain now, Mm. told members of the group that he needed to have sex with young women in order to keep his angelic life force. What the fuck? Well, it's so, oh, my God. That's, oh. It's going to get worse, but let's leave that there. Okay. So one day, Lou sits Sarah and Emily down and goes, I'm really sorry, but I've just had an angelic vision. And it turns out it's your mother, Jennifer's time to die. She's going to die. I've had this vision. So you need to be ready for that. Oh, because the children would be the beneficiaries of the life insurance policy? Obviously, the girls are very upset by this news. They believe him that he can see the future. They believe him that this is going to happen. They're distraught. So they go to their mother and tell her that Lou's told them this. Mm. And she's like, no, don't. She sort of brushes it off. She's like, don't be silly. I'm not going anywhere. Doesn't mean anything. Don't, Don't worry. Get over it. In September 2008, Sarah comes home from, I think, work, um, and Lou tells her that Jennifer has been in a car accident. Won't tell her at that point whether she's alive or dead. Right. But it turns out that she has driven into the path of a loaded truck and been killed on impact. Jennifer's insurance payout goes into the group's finances. Ah. So... And Lou buys another Corvette. Gross. Buys another horse. Yeah. So now the detectives are like, this is a thing, right? Four, four is, yeah. Like there's, there's, there's something odd going on here. Like one um, is a tragedy. Two is, is yeah. super unfortunate. Three is a bit, uh, but four, come on. But again, there's nothing in what's happened to really be explicit, to really no. tie it to anyone. Uh, and they don't know who he is. So they go to Angel's Landing um, on the pretense that they're looking for a missing person or they're looking for a person of interest and they want to know if they've seen them. Yeah. So he goes, Ron and another detective goes with a set of glossy photos Mm. because their lab has told them that's probably the best material to get his fingerprints on. Whoa, yeah. So they take a little pile of glossy photos of people 
um, and they say, hey, can you help us just have a look through this pile of photos? They hand one to um, one of the other group members and they hand a pile of glossy photos to Lou. And Lou takes the glossy photos, drops them on the table and with his fingernail moves them out and oh. separates them. And oh, at that point, so Ron, Ron is sat across from him going, he, he is deliberately hiding his fingerprints. Mm-hmm. He he's twigged what we're doing but they can't say anything they just have this normal conversation about whether he's seen these people in these photographs whoa so that's pretty sinister after that happens lou becomes really erratic yeah he's clearly really worried Uh um and he goes to tennessee to look for homes to look for somewhere else to live oh whoa away from ron yeah so as he's doing that emily and sarah have fallen out including for some sort of reasons that we'll come to later on. Um, So they're not speaking. Sarah's 20-something at this point. Emily, I think, is however old she would be, 16, 17, maybe. She decides that she's going to go and live with Lou, and Sarah decides she's going to take this opportunity to to leave them. Yeah. Not stay with the group. Well done, Sarah. Which is good. Well done, Sarah. She gets out. But her sister, who's not talking with her, is still with this guy as he goes to Tennessee. One night, early on in her time um, away from the group, Sarah goes to a bar and she sees a handsome young man across the bar who is a young guy called Daniel who will become her husband. Oh, Daniel, and, and not meet. just a stupid pretend angel. Yay. Uh, they meet, they get on, um, and they start to, to have a relationship. And she starts to tell him some about Lou. There's this guy in her life called yeah. Lou. Um, and the more he hears, the more he's like, what the fuck? Mm. One day, Lou rings Sarah and fucking rants at her down the phone. Shouts and shouts and shouts. Daniel takes the phone um, and tells him to fuck off. Leave her alone. Don't ever call her again. Yeah. And after that, sort of goes to Sarah. What... Who is this guy? What's what's the deal here? Mm-hmm. And she sort of starts to be coy about it. And he sort of explicitly goes, has he assaulted you? Mm-hmm. What's, what's gone on here? And at that point, she breaks down and she tells him everything yeah. about what had been happening with Lou. So he starts to have a little bit of a look around this guy as well. Yeah. He starts oh, to think about all the things he's heard from Lou when he's called before, or when Sarah's spoken to him. And, uh, and he decides that he's going to send an email to the FBI basically putting all this detail about the suspicious deaths to the FBI. And I think I've got this right. Amongst that, he also includes the fact that he's heard that there's another name connected to Lou, which is Joe Veganus. Veganus. How does it, how is it spelled? V-E, a letter I can't read in my handwriting, E-G-A-S. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, so they're like, thank you very much. Mm. That'll do. They've got a name. They know he's in Tennessee. Yeah. And they find that someone opened a bank account and put money in a bank account under that name. Uh, and they ask for the CCTV footage from that bank. Uh, and there is Lou and Emily at the bank on yes. CCTV in crystal quality. And they're like, got you, you fucker. We've got yeah. you on tape committing a federal crime. Mm-hmm. You're fucking ours. So they get him, arrest him. Yes. At first, he won't give them 
any information about his other name. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of intrigue about whether he's going to be mm, deported or not, but they get him on a, um, he gets a two-year sentence for, uh, for aggravated ID theft and mm-hmm. fraud. Deported to where? What, like from Tennessee back to Kansas, or to no to I think Mexico. Weirdly, oh, I don't know. That was like a sideline in one of the articles I read, which I didn't didn't quite wasn't mentioned in any yeah. of the things that I saw. So while they've got him in jail for two years, they're like, now we can find out what this guy's deal is. So they interview Sarah, and they interview Emily, and it takes a while. But slowly, they both start to talk about what happened. Good. And Emily starts to talk. Oh, no, poor Emily. And one of the things she tells them is that one day, Lou came to Emily and said he'd had a vision that Patricia, Trish's time had come. Um, And that Trish knew about it. Trish was told this too. You're going to die soon. It's going to be your time. And he let Emily know that that was going to happen. And on the day that she died, she was told that he was going to help Trish move on and that she would be his alibi. So oh. when Sarah goes to drive to the car dealership, yeah. he says, you're going to take Patricia's daughter, go into the pool house. There are some kittens in there. Go and play with the kittens. Have a nice time. Oh. Stay in there. And then outside she hears a splash and a scream. And then Lou comes in wet, frantic, and he says, right, okay, in a minute, um, I'm going to go and meet Sarah to look at this car. I want you to wait 20 minutes, get yourself and the child wet. Yeah. And this is the story you're going to tell the police. Oh, God. And then he drives off to meet Sarah. What Emily also shares is that from the age of 10, and this happened with the knowledge of other members of the group, mm. Emily shared her bed with Lou. Oh, my God. People with dicks. None of your dicks are magical. There's no such thing as a magical dick. There's no such yeah. thing. There's no... Um, oh, fuck's sake. And he says that having sex with a pure young girl will help him recharge. That'll help him. Oh, fuck off. An angel. He also tells her that with his angel abilities, he can put her in a time loop so that she hasn't actually committed that crime on the day he just needed her to do it the first time and then it'll she'll remember it but actually he'll have changed the timeline so she's innocent he threatens that if she tells anyone they'll he'll take her to purgatory okay and he'll kill her there right and he'll kill her sister oh god poor child when they talk to sarah she tells him about the time that he pointed a gun at her and fired two shots into the wall and the time that he ordered her to videotape herself undressing an eight-year-old who was visiting oh the commune God. and to pose her in sexual poses. And that after she did that, he said it wasn't good enough and he made her do it again on a different occasion. So Lou is indicted for 28 counts, including rape, sodomy, child exploitation, uh, child sexual exploitation, fraud, Mm. and for the murder of Patricia Hughes. Great. Um, and there's some really moving testimony in the, in, the, in the course of that. This is maybe troubling to hear, but there's this quote from, well, uh, 
a, a victim in the mm. in the court case. I think we can we can gather from what I've said already who it is. Um, quote: uh, I was ten when my childhood was over. While other ten-year-olds were riding bikes, playing with dolls, I was lying naked with a pillow over my head, just waiting for it to be over. At thirteen, when others were getting boyfriends and holding hands, I was holding a secret and losing people I loved one by one. When other 16-year-olds were experimenting with the freedom of learning to drive, planning parties with their friends, I was planning my death every day when I drove to school. Wow. He defends himself in court. Um, prick. As unconvincingly as you can imagine, he yeah. denies all knowledge of any of the angel stuff. Doesn't know, doesn't know anything about that. Has never heard anything of that. No clue. Right. Um, and... There's a horrible interview where he's interviewed by a TV station when the court case is about to happen. And he used to go, nope, don't know that, don't know that, didn't do that, didn't do that. Any sex I had with people was consensual, don't know, don't know, mm. horrible. But because they've arrested him and are able to put him to trial, they're able to take his fingerprints. Yeah, nice. And they um, send them to the FBI. Yeah. And they discover that he is actually a man called Daniel Perez. Right. Who so in not... 1997 yeah. um, was charged with child sex oh. offences in Texas. But there was no, um, no contest to those charges. It didn't go anywhere um, because it was believed he was dead. And in fact, what had happened is that Patricia Hughes had helped him flee oh, God. Texas at that point. So, like, as everything started, kind of started to close in with Ron, then Trish had to go because she was the one that could, could, and he was saying his name all along. He was saying Daniel all along, wasn't he? It's weird, right? Weird, oh, like that weird is psychology. Creepy. Um, and that Daniel's the kind angel. Oh, right. Um, so, yeah, so he, he makes a laughable sort of attempt to defend himself. He claims that um, in 1997, at, around that time, he got beaten up and then had memory loss after that where he didn't remember who he was. So that's why he used right. another name, even though mm. his friend was still with him, who, who seems to have known him, him. before then. Um, and he also like, claimed that you know, he if you, a, you have an accident and you lose your memories, but you still are surrounded by all your stuff that has your name on it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not like very. Plausible. In nineteen ninety seven, he had a visa, he had a credit card, like presumably. Um, so that was happening. Um, he also said that he had a genital defect that meant he couldn't possibly be a rapist. A a genital, a genetic, a <laughs> genetic genital, a, but uh, just bullshit, just absolute. Like, oh. Absolute uh, nonsense. Um, yeah. So he was convicted. Mm, good. Um, he was. Uh, he got two life sentences. Yeah. And four hundred and six months. Yeah. Um, no possibility of parole for eighty years. Yeah. Um, and is now currently in Lansing Correctional Facility. And since then, sort of, lot, lots more of the details have come out. The girls have been. Um, interviewed sarah has got married yeah. uh, to daniel the sisters have to some extent difficult as that is reconciled and the mystery of who this guy was 
um, had been solved by this very diligent detective who went, something is wrong and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to try and figure that out as soon as I can. Wow. Oh, well done, Ron. Well done, John. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Extraordinary. Yeah, absolutely. One of those, yeah, one of those weird things that could have easily been ignored had that officer not been, not followed his, yeah. his not followed his gut. That could yeah, make a good, like, TV for... drama, couldn't it? Yeah. It'd make a really, like, sad, extremely sad, but it was, it's, that was a very yeah, dramatic like true, story. Thank true you, True detective kind of style, isn't it? Yeah. Vibe to it. Um, yeah. I, uh, you know what? It would make a really good podcast. <laughs> yeah. Or if I'm presenting it, a basically passable podcast. Oh, John, it was a very good podcast. Thanks. Um, yeah. Yeah, what a story. And so recent as well, you know. Yeah quite often looking at things a little bit way back but it's sort of it's yeah it's super super recent it was only uh when did i say 2006 yeah wow he was convicted yeah and so the sort of the what they think happened is that you know patricia seems to have been an explicit death or death with assistance yeah um and the suggestion is that with the other people he convinced them it was their time to go and they should commit suicide <sighs> we don't know they weren't able to you know there wasn't enough evidence that they could no. prove any of that for the other counts but that's the suggestion and, and I, I suppose those uh those acts of suicide could have been like from those people like I, I need to get out of this place that this guy is telling me what to do and this guy is telling me I need to die I need to do it yeah. so yeah yeah some dark and heavy heavy stuff there um, he also was just ripping everyone off left, right, and centre. You'll yeah. have noticed I mentioned this group member paid for this and that everything was in everybody else's name. Nothing was in oh, his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No money from him went anywhere. No. He, he just like a, spent a what was record wise. Wow. Um, horrible. What a horrible yeah. little bastard. Yeah, what an absolute cunt. Um, yeah. I am grateful in my research to. Oh, this is a this is a, see the last little bit of my uh, oh, yeah. notes. I mentioned Cody earlier, who's mum mm-hmm. and sister. That he um, has said and talked about how since that um, after it happened, Lou told Cody, "Oh, I'm really sorry. Your sister wasn't, but it wasn't your sister's time. She wasn't supposed to go. She she was supposed to um, to not be on the plane, and, and I'd have looked after her. I just want you to know that." Ooh. which makes it super creepy. He also when um. When her obituary was published, her family were surprised because he was listed as her brother in the obituary that he wrote for her. Uh, Sorry, that's a weird well, little creepy detail at the end of my Well, notes. I hope that Lou slash Joe slash Daniel, I hope he gets kicked in the genital defects every single day in prison. Yeah, yeah. What a, what a, what a nasty um, yeah. Yeah, predator. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't, I don't wish uh, death on anybody because that's not fair. But getting a little like hard tap in the nads every day, he definitely deserves that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, mm. I'd not heard of that until I was nope. doing a bit of googling. Um, I am thankful in my research to oxygen, um, deadly cults, Ooh. the Daily Star. Oh heavy.com yeah former fascist sympathizer the daily mail Ugh. abc and dateline um who cool. did a, um a, a a 
good, significant sort of interview documentary. Good, um, salacious crime places. About it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there we go. That, Sam, is Angel Landing. Cool. Thank you, John. And thank you very much, listeners, for being with us. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch about this episode or any of our other episodes, please do so, coffeeandcults at gmail.com or on our various social media platforms at Coffee and Cults. Feel free to uh, tell us a joke or suggest us new episodes or a lovely story about um, your dog. Yeah, dogs, dogs, dog friends are. Um, you know are what? Worth- Send us dog pictures. If you yeah, send us dog pictures, we will send one back of John's dog in kind. <laughs> there we go. That is a good promise. Yeah. Um, if you would like to support the podcast, you can do that by uh, giving us a regular contribution at patreon.com. Uh, you get uh, video, uh, sort of unedited uh, video versions of these podcasts. Where you get I'm to making find that out. face, Sam, because it feels like it's incriminating to see all the stupid shit we say that doesn't make it into the main podcast. Oh my god, yeah, and ab- the absolute shit tip of a room that I record in. I can see three of my bras right now. I don't know if you can or not, but I can. If you, Patreon, if you can spot the three bras in yeah. the background, uh, we'll give you a prize. Yeah, yeah, three. Just t- take a screen grab, circle them, <laughs> Email us that, we'll, Ooh, we'll give you a prize. Where are um, they? How's that for a podcast competition? Um, if you'd like to support us, you can do that on Patreon. There's also some bonus episodes there where we review music from cults and books from cults. Um, there's some more stuff going on there in the new year. So if you'd like a few extra gifts and to just help us make this, uh, which we otherwise do for free and for love, that would be sweet. Uh, if you want to give us a one-off donation and buy us a coffee to drink while we record, you can do that at ko-fi.com forward slash coffee and cults. Um, Otherwise, just let people know that we exist. That would be great. Yeah, and leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your uh, fine podcasts and this one. Um, Yeah, do all of those things. And uh, we hope you're having a uh, a beasting 2022. And we'll be uh, back in your ears very soon with more cult stuff. Yeah. Uh, We love you. Love you. Bye. We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cause we've been. We found out that I was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand.